Hello and welcome to KeeperCast, the Keeper of Velocities podcast. I'm Sammy. I'm Ivy. And this is episode 36, in which we talk about Lodestar chapters 44 through 56. This was kind of a long section. I regret it. However, we are going to start with some more unlocked news because we are in release season now, so this is happening like every single week. So there's actually a lot to... uh, cover last week we talked about that excerpt that came out from unlocked so that was some interesting times this week i don't think we need a spoiler warning we'll be talking about like certain lines released on shannon's instagram but nothing that really needs we won't go in depth into spoiler spoilers the first piece of information is that the tour announcement has been posted um and you can find all this on shannon messenger's instagram so the so obviously there isn't going to be a like a real in-person tour given the covid times but there's going to be a virtual tour and there's going to be four different stops so yeah more detailed information is on um again on shannon's instagram but they're basically taking place from november 17th through november 21st and each event has a different theme i can't find the I know that the first one is about shipping but yeah that is a thing that's happening and it's kind of exciting honestly because like since it's virtual there's going to be a lot of chance for like people who can't usually go to the launch parties to be able to experience one which is really cool and also because there are like fewer stops um I don't know if it's going to be like a webinar situation or if you'll actually be able to see each other's faces over Zoom, but there could be a chance for like people to meet that way. Second piece of info is about the pre-order giveaway, which has been announced. So I'm just going to quote straight from the post. It says, this year's swag is a limited edition Iggy postcard, a hand-signed book plate, and a print of a map of the Kodok world. All that stuff looks really cool. The Kodok map especially looks really cool because it has all of like the locations of the lost cities around the world and I'm and my eyesight is terrible so I can't read most of them but people with much better eyesight have gone around and figured out what label is which so (laughs) oh there's there's one more thing I don't think we'll talk about it at length um Although I know you haven't seen the quotes yet, right? I have not seen the quotes. Yeah, so Shannon has started posting new quotes at the time of recording this. Um, two of the quotes have been posted. The first one is from Fitz. It says, come on, don't look at me like that. You think I wanted to hear what you're thinking? Mm, I have seen that one. Yeah. It's, it's kind of vague. I don't know what that means. I think depending on the context, it could either be neutral or uh some some angsty times uh i guess the main question is like who is he addressing if it's sophie angsty times are about to ensue i'd be kind of confused if he was talking about sophie though because like i mean the line is you think i wanted to hear what you're thinking so like doesn't that kind of imply that he doesn't usually hear what they're thinking Although actually, now that I say that out loud, that makes less sense than it did in my head. And I, I could see it being Sophie. Yeah. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, 
could it have been like an italics thing where she just didn't use italics like you think i wanted to hear what you were saying like like he as a telepath heard something and then was like you think that and the person was like come on and then he was like you think i wanted to hear that oh i could see that who knows though who knows the second quote was from tam (gasps) yeah tam the boy (laughs) i i love the man the myth the legend more like the tam the myth the legend am i right (laughs) and the quote is come on glimmer if you don't trust them trust me (laughs) what (laughs) mood (laughs) what wait who's glimmer (laughs) oh my god that's such a mood no glimmer was this character introduced in legacy did you read legacy I vaguely remember, like, she's a never-seen person, right? Yeah, and then she, like, defected from the never-seen. She's a flasher, I think. Oh. I know there's some theories okay. that, like, she's Tam and Lin's mom, but if that's a thing, then why would Tam still be calling her Glimmer here? Yeah, I don't know about that, man. So those were the two quotes. Now, do you want to load start? That's a terrible oh my pun, God. I'm sorry. I would like to load start. I'm so proud of you. Okay. Oh, Sophie's just like in Havenfield. I don't like. So it starts off with Sophie and Keith talking. Yeah, yeah. Sophie gets grounded and then she talks to Keith. And he doesn't really say. Oh, she talks to Fitz first, which was a throwback. Uh... How was that a throwback? <laughs> to. It was a throwback to when, oh, to when like, they had, like, a good relationship. They were a cute couple, yeah. Mm. Um, F. F in the chat for so fits. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in pieces. Ooh, then they have a conversation about boys. I love heteronormativity. Yeah, oh, <laughs> here comes the infamous boys conversation with Grady, who is also the man, the myth, the legend. So... Yeah, at this point, Grady is talking to Sophie about boys, and I admit I kind of skimmed this conversation because I really didn't like it, but he's just sort of talking to her in general, mostly about Keith, I think, right? Where he's like, you shouldn't, I I don't know, you shouldn't be, like, don't be friendly with somebody who is on the other side, sort of. Yeah, which is, like, a fair point. I feel like they could have... I mean, I think they did this earlier, but I feel like they could have had this conversation in a different context um, where it would have been more serious and kind of talked about their relationship. But, like, I also... I, I get the... Like, the appeal of a conversation like this. I just feel like it was a little bit uh, heavy-handed or something like that. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not sure why I dislike this part so much because, like, I didn't used to mind it and then I kind of forgot about it and then it showed up again. I was like, oh. And I think, although I think it's, it might be because I just personally don't really like the trope of, like, a dad being super protective of his daughter and, like, hating all of the boys that she might be interested in. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. But maybe that's just a me thing. I, I think I get what you're talking about, yeah. I'm thinking because um, 
I just checked in. This book was published in 2016. So I was 11. And I remember when I first read this, I, I got really excited. And I was like, I was very, I, I really liked this part. And I think that, like, it probably is fun to read. And, and it's, you know, just a, 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 like, it's kind of drama, but it's like silly drama. And I think that's something that's appealing to a lot of, like, 10 and 11 year olds. Like, I, I, I yeah. And so I, I totally see why it's in there. Um, I think maybe, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get that too. And I kind of have two things to say about that. The first is that like, yeah, like I am definitely at this point, I'm definitely out of the target demographic of these books. And so are you kind of, although I think now the age rating has been raised a little bit, so I'm not sure. Um, but so like my opinions on things I think should be taken with a grain of salt especially if I think that something is like kind of immature or something like that because because it's true that like when I was younger I did really like all a lot of the stuff in the earlier Coddock books that like now I think are kind of silly so and that's more of a reflection on me being older than like the books and like than than the books themselves. The second thing though is that I forgot what the second thing was. Alright, can I talk about heteronormativity? Yeah. Alright, so this part is very interesting. Um because I get the feeling I got this okay, I don't think this is intentional, but like whatever. Uh I got this feeling of like, <laughs> like Grady was all like, boys, 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 you know, when you, he says, whenever you start to na- narrow it down, I will be having a long conversation with him. And Edelin walks in and then she's like, but I do want to make sure you know that Grady and I will support whoever you choose. Edelin, I'm pretty sure, never uses pronouns and or gendered language and Grady like exclusively does even when grammatically it's weird and I just think that's so funny (laughs) that is kind of funny (laughs) like that is correct like I mean I do like to think of Grady as like a woke king but like (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) if you call Grady a woke king again I'm gonna, I'm gonna take your kneecaps. You know who's not a woke king? Prentice. King Dimitar, am I right? Wait, what? I don't know, I was trying to say king and... Anyway, anyway. I was, oh, I was more focusing on the woke part of it, like, Prentice isn't really awake. <laughs> you know who else isn't awake? Kenrick. Kenrick. Anyway, yeah, that was my personal take on this. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't actually notice that. But it does kind of line up with their character. I mean, I I don't think of Grady as homophobic, but like 
Well, yeah, but I feel like Grady's a little more oblivious and then Edelin would be trying to, like, say the right things and, like... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, we've got some quality Sansel time next. Okay. Am I weird for actually liking Sansel, like, as a ship? I think no, I, I think they're it. cute. They are so wholesome, and it's like, they never have drama, and I love them. That's true. Like, I go for the ships, I find that I go for the ships that are already, like, established as canon, or will be canon, because they're just, like, most of the time, they're just healthy, and, like, there's no, like you said, there's no drama, there's no question over who's gonna end up with who. We can just, like, exist in our little comfort bubble and be happy. And that's stuff like Sansel and, like, Gradolin and, yeah, stuff like that. Coralie for, well, until, you know. <laughs> I mean, for a little bit. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, from what I remember, like, after, after the boys' talk was, Sophie was, like, um, Sophie was adding some memories to the memory log, and then she still can't read, so, like, she asked somebody else to read the runes. <laughs> Why has she not learned to read? It's been, like, four years. I don't think it's quite been four years, but it's at least... No, it's been, like, three years. I yeah, it's right. at least been, like, two, two and a half years. And, I mean, obviously, like, you can't become fluent in reading a different language in two years. I know, but can you not read any? But, like, I feel like, like Sophie would have at least wanted to try, you know? Also, she's a polyglot. Oh, no, that's just speaking. I think, not yeah, I think polyglot is just speaking. Okay, okay. I see. But, yeah, so, turns out the runes, which she cannot read, on the door that Keith's blood had to open in that really sad flashback, it says, the star only rises at nightfall. I know Coddle doesn't do taglines, like the little sentences on, like, the book covers, but that would have been a really good tagline for Nightfall. Like, think about it. Ooh, dang, you're right. Like, it's just, it's just kind of a badass phrase. It's very catchy. Yeah. I, yeah, no, I agree. Oh, okay, so this was something that I thought was really interesting plot-wise, and I don't remember anything, so maybe they talked about it later, but maybe not. So, <laughs> there was, Sophie was talking with Keith, and he was talking about the Lodestar Initiative, and he said, it's starting to feel like they're doing some sort of gathering. It's almost like Fenton has this list of people and information he needs, and he's checking them off one by one. And then Sophie's mind flashed to the cell Dex had been held at in the Paris, held in at the Paris hideout. Was this what the room had been meant for? That was so cool because it's like, oh wait, book one was relevant. Like because that actually seems really really cool. That's so interesting. I'm kind of confused as to what people means in that passage like like i'm assuming like keith is one of them like i i don't know but like why would he be checking them off like based on the criteria or whatever no no no, no. i think like like gathering the people like getting them oh like he's gathering keith and various other yeah and personages various other personages yeah yeah, I, because, yeah, I, I did kind of skim that, so I thought it was more referring to um, the plotline in Nightfall, where they were, like, doing experiments on humans. With, like, the Criterion thing? Yeah, but it, 
but your explanation makes more sense. Anyway, like that was really cool, and I hope that that turns into something. Has it turned into something yet? Bro, I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me these things. <laughs> like neither of us know anything about or, the plot. Of- wait, wait, was it referring to the peace summit at the end of this book? Where they're like, oh, was it? Where like Vespera and Gethin were both gathered at in the prison. Oh, maybe that would be kind of anticlimactic, though. I don't know. I feel like it's like a big. I don't know. It was kind of framed like a big thing, though. I don't know. I mean, it it felt like a big thing when, like the the whole castle fell down. So then, exilium training, right? Exilium training? Oh my yeah. gosh. So, like, the Exilium teachers have come to Foxfire to train the students in killing people. In combat. Yes. This is also something that I feel like they kind of just dropped off that I thought was going to lead into something. Oh, the outward channeling? Cool. Yeah. And just the whole, like, child army thing in general. Oh, <laughs> that too. I mean, yeah, like, okay, like, if, say, the Lost Cities were actually drawn into war, like, would the Keeper crew end up being, like, soldiers? Like, is that where this series is headed? I, I mean, okay, I, at the time of Lodestar, it is where I thought the series was headed, but now, I don't think so. Um, just because. Yeah, I feel like Legacy is much more, like, introspective. Yeah, just because I don't think that that's, like, kind of the tone or, like, I don't think that's what we want to see or, like, kind of what's what's asking to happen, you know? Yeah. Which is, like, cool. And honestly, like, I'm fine with it not going that way. Like, honestly, I'd kind of prefer if there wasn't a war and we got to stay more focused on, like, whatever the hell is going on with Keith. And his weird genetics. Yeah, yeah like, that would be cool, right? Maybe a war would help broaden the scale of the the like the world. But I feel like that's I feel like it's kind of big enough already and like really the main conflict should be internal and it should be about Keith. I'd like them to have a um like a scheme. Like one dangerous heist. No, um <laughs> Uh, I I'd, I'd like them to have some not a not a war, not like a like a full-size battle, but not like uh like a like not like a a regular like little showdown, like a medium-sized battle. I want the whole cast to be there, all of them working together with their their oh, own Oh, that would be so right? cool. Like yeah. all the villains that we have so far, and just like I just like want, just like, bring a everybody yeah. in like the same like big old field. Yeah, and yeah. Duke it out. <laughs> they should okay. They should end the series with a giant splotching match between no all the villains and all the protagonists. That's how that the fate of the world is end. decided. Yes. I'd be down for that, it's honestly. Canon, <laughs> I would I would be down for that. Speaking of splotching, outward channeling. 
Ooh, before that, can we talk about the thing that happens before that, which is Morella? Oh, yeah. And Tam being not heterosexual. Well, I don't know about not heterosexual, because it seems like in this section they were being, like, aggressively heterosexual. Okay, Tam being compulsively heterosexual. But yeah, there was this whole thing about, like, Morella was, like, quote, giving Tam her flirtiest smile, and then Lynn was like, oh no, Tam likes brunettes. Although, again, she did not specify a gender, she just said brunettes. I mean, the ending at- Oh, is that a thing, or is that more of, like, a technical- Anyway, I mean, I'm not usually one to ship the straights. Oh, how the turns have tabled. That was a big- (laughs) That was a big Tiana moment. It was. I actually do really like Tiana. I admit it. I'm, like, I'm kind of trash for Tiana. I think that they're so cute. They, yeah. I wish they got to interact more, because I think that if they, like, developed, like, a real friendship, it would be such a good, like, pairing. Yeah, because, like, look, it's it's about the abilities, right? Because Bianca can literally turn invisible, and Tam can, like, hide in shadows and make things invisible that way. So it's like they have, like, complementary abilities. And you can't see me right now, but I'm, like, moving my hands in a way to try to illustrate my point. Oh, oh, I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> anyway, oh, I'd also like to talk about my personal um, belief that... Um, Everyone was just continuing to be aggressively combat in this scene, and uh, Morella was looking in their general direction, but specifically in the general direction of, of, of the, the twins, Tam and Lin, who were standing next to each other, and they were like, oh, she's flirting with Tam, but it was like, no, no. She was just like a little bit like to the right, and she was flirting with Lin, so that's <laughs> I, I choose to believe that. I agree. Um, yeah, so going back to outward channeling, this is a thing where they can break things with their mind. It kind of seems like a special form of telekinesis, right? Because, like, instead of using your mind to move things around, you're using it to, like, break things apart. Does that make sense? Kind of? I think that... Well, yeah, yeah, because... Okay, so... Let's talk about osmosis for a second. You know how Gen Z was like... Osmosis? Okay, so... Wait, 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 wait. Rewind. When did Gen Z mention osmosis? Okay, okay, so... This line has always stuck with me, and... I'm surprised. Okay. Because Gen Z does the and and then he says i think my osmosis theory worked i mean okay ignoring the fact that he's an elf and science isn't real and he shouldn't know what osmosis is um well science is like selectively real that's a very good term all right i think that that's really interesting and basically is exactly the same as what lynn says before when Everyone's like, I don't understand. And then Lynn's like, I don't know. I kind of get it. It's like how water is both without and within. Wait, what? Let's assume we understand what that means and particle concentration. So basically, kind of the idea that they're having with this, I think, is that the splotcher, it's not 
an object. It's a collection of particles, basically. And the particles, and, 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 and if you just think about the particles as trying to osmote or trying to diffuse out of itself, then by nature it explodes. Which I just thought that was, yeah, I just thought that was a really cool concept. That does actually make sense to me. And yeah, that's cool. Um, moving on, we, we also meet our least favorite characters here. <gasps> Tam and Lynn's parents? Yeah, they really suck, don't they? They suck. Oh my god. I hate them. They're just like so awful in every way. Like, I uh, mm, It's like, like, didn't their mom, like, their mom kept talking about how, like, she never signed up for any of this, and they were, like, a burden on her, and then the dad was like, you know, stop doing all of this, you're making a scene, and, like, he only cares about appearances, and, like, it's just like, oh, ew. Oh, that did happen. That's bad. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wait. I read that, I read that as Lynn said that. Okay, so Mai says, Mai says, please, I never asked for the situation that was handled to, handed to me. I never claimed I handled it well. That's such a yikes. Why? It's so Why bad. Why is she like this? Because she's basically admitting like, well, one, she's whining and she's like, I never signed up for this, which like you did because you chose to have a child anyway. Um, and... But two, she's like basically admitting that she did a terrible job of raising her children. And then she's like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Sucks for you. Because then the mom's like, what do you want to be? And then Tam says nothing. Absolutely nothing. And then the dad says, then you're doing a good job. Ew. Oh, oh. no. Oh, <laughs> that's the sound of pain. I love and hate how... Quan and Mai literally show up for, like, I think this is the only scene where they have a major role. And yet, like, they just managed to make me hate them so much in this, like, one half page. Okay, I feel, I don't know how universal this is, but I feel like the reason why, like, one, like, two pages and it's like, okay, denounce them, is, like... Just from these things that we're saying, like, that they're saying, we can tell so much about them. It's, like, it's because it, it's not just one scene. It's, like, okay, this is their, this is how Pam and Lynn's entire childhood was. And it's, like, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. And then, the okay. Like, best part, like, the dad's like, children are supposed to respect their parents. And then Lynn says, respect has to be earned. Yes. That was Stand excellent. Her. Love her. Love her. Love her to pieces. There are, like, a few small scenes that happen after the, forgot what it was called, the outward channeling scene. There's, like, we meet Maruka, um, who's Wiley's cousin, apparently. And she wants to see Wiley, so they bring her to see him. And that's kind of what happens. It's a bit of a setup, I think, for Maruka having, like, a bigger role in 
the following books. Keefe also says that the lodestar symbol is a map, which leads Dex to figure out that, like, the the zeros and ones, the like, the binary code that they had found before was, like, translated into circles and lines, which was really cool. Yeah, I, I really like that. I think both of us figured that out earlier on. Yeah, I figured it out when they brought up the code, like, the number code, however... I had been staring at the lodestar symbol for like several weeks beforehand and had kind of theorized that it had something to do with binary. So I had more of a un- I had more of an advantage than Dex would have, I think. It was the arrows that tipped me off. I feel like those maybe made it a little bit Well, to be fair, it, it was like a it was meant to be kind of easy because i think that um well i think it's it's meant to be solvable yeah 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 i mean i think yeah i think it was a good puzzle for like this book because it it was um for a mystery right i they say like um the reader should be able to um the reader should have all the information they need to figure it out but not put it together until um the moment before the characters do and i think that that was done very well here yeah i agree it's a good code for like the middle schoolers the 8 to 12 age range right because like it's not so easy that you feel like patronized but then it's also not so hard that it's unsolvable. The last bit of this is the beginning of the Peace Summit, or they're starting to talk about the Peace Summit. Lady Cadence. Now, Lady Cadence is a woke queen. I will allow you to say that. (laughs) It's true. It is true. I know I say this every time Lady Cadence shows up, but she's the only person here with a brain cell. Because everybody else is like, Mm, we should prevent the ogres from doing anything because if we allow them to do anything, that means that they will wage war against us. And then Lady Cadence is like, have you considered that maybe the ogres will wage war if you try to create laws that would prevent them from doing anything? Yeah. Yeah, go off. She understands politics, unlike most of the elven world, including the 12 people in power. Literally, if Lady Cadence was a counselor, all, every problem would have been solved. Everything. She should be a counselor. Yeah. They should have chosen her instead of Alina. They, like, they should just boot Alina, keep Nolan. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Always need the loud boy. Um, they can, I don't know who, I don't know who anyone else is. Um, but replace Alina with Lady Cadence. Okay, and just have her deal with all the the international are they nat nations interspeciesal relations. None of the other counselors are allowed to do anything or make any decisions about this, and we'd be good. There is this one part where oh my god, okay, she was like, "Let's create a treaty," and then the king will like not be war 
And then Sophie said, <laughs> and then Sophie said, like that'll ever happen. Then Lady Cadence clicked her tongue. You disappoint me, Miss Foster. I'd hoped you might bring a bit of compassion to this summit. After all, you're willing to excuse humans from the many grievances held against them, aren't you? And it's like, ooh. Yes, holding Sophie accountable. All right, the very last section of this section, I'm going to need to think of new words, is when Sophie meets with Gethin in Luminaria in the prison. Now, I want to take a moment to give a little rant about how poorly thought out this this prison system is oh my god <laughs> they stick a literal sword a weapon a functional weapon in the prison cell but then they're just like oh well it's not a security risk because it's trapped inside a stone well what if they break the stone haha <laughs> they'll never break the stone hmm but what if they break the stone it's like, hmm, let's challenge all of these prisoners who are all maximum security prisoners. They're all highly skilled and trained, and we're going to rub it in their faces that they can't pull this sword out of this stone and use this sword to cut us down. We're going to rub it in their faces so that they will try for, you know, their indefinite lifespans that they're trapped here and nope, nothing's ever going to happen. I know, right? It's just like, I mean, just by like chance, if they're stuck in the prison for eternity, at some point they're going to figure out how to take the sword out of the stone. I know, right? Also, like, can they not like use outward channeling? Is that, that is what they did, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's what Gethin did. But I think outward channeling is a fairly recent invention or like discovery which is why they didn't really think of it oh they didn't like they didn't okay it's also i know it's also a thing where like you need to like be in a place with no distractions and like meditate for a super long time to be able to have Ooh, enough a prison cell seems like a good place for that i know right just like <laughs> i just i just i want to i want to know whichever counselors were on the council at the point when this prison was made, I would like to sit them down and... Not Lady Cadence, that's for sure. I would like to have a discussion with them about... their brains. <laughs> okay, like, couldn't they have just put a sword and a stone in, like, the lobby? <laughs> Does, is there a lobby? Whatever. In, like, the lobby? <laughs> yeah! And then they bring in the prisoners and they're, and they're like, hey... Like, you want to try? And then they try, and then they fail, and it's like, haha, and then, like, they never see it again. Like, that would be acceptable. You know what would be really funny, though? Is if they, like, use the sword and the stone to keep taunting them about how they're, they have no power here or whatever, and then somebody actually manages to take it out, but then it turns out to, like, not be a sword. Like, there's just, like, a rubber duck stuck at the end or something. <laughs> and like it's fake. I think that would be really funny. It's Excalibur and Oat. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I guess the opposite of wrong is right, but I don't. I don't want to say you're right. You can't be wrong without being not right. So yeah, basically, Sophie and Gethin are like kind of interrogating each other. Um, and then they end up playing this game where like each person gets to ask the other one question, 
Um, so Gethin asks if the peace summit has happened, which is the answer is no. And then Sophie asks um, for like one word relating to the Lodestar initiative, right? And then he said, Starstone. Where did that go? Okay, so I, I have to, I, last night I read through the summaries of all eight books on the wiki, which was actually really helpful. So shout out to the wiki mods because those pages are great. Um, so now I have actually have like a better handle on the plot, which has been incredibly helpful to me. Um, but the Starstone, the Starstones are relevant because Lady Gisela's pin had a Starstone at the end and it, we know that she bought it from Wiley's mom, but that's kind of all that, that's kind of all the relevance that it is. I feel like Starstones should do some... Okay, basically, my... Yeah, I think they have some kind of magical property. They do? Okay, because my theory about this was that Starstones are uh, light crystals that already have light inside them, so you don't have to, um, like, hold it up to anything. Um, oh, that's interesting. But I don't... So you could, like, potentially light leap from yeah, underground? Yeah, yeah, like, from underground or something like that. That would be kind of relevant actually because like wiley's mom yeah because they do a lot of stuff underground and... yeah and because wiley's mom was attacked in the middle of a light leap so like it's possible it was like they witnessed some kind of special light leap or something like that so yeah that was the section um let's wrap up with social media you can find us at KeeperCast on Instagram and the KeeperCast on Tumblr, and you can also find me at Malamelting on Tumblr and Instagram. And you can find me at aelin ashriver galathinius on Tumblr. Our next episode will cover Lodestar chapters 57 through 70, um, and we post on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Pacific time. This has been KeeperCast. See you next week. Thank you.